In less than a year, our podcast has gone from an average of 10,000 downloads a month to 50,000 downloads. What made the difference? You leaving us a five-star review. The more positive reviews, the more the algorithm picks us up, and more people are confronted by the law and gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us press forward the crown rights of King Jesus by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks. All right, welcome back to another episode of Theology Applied. I am your host, Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries. Today I've got uh, Andrew Isker, CJ Engel, uh, their co-host of a podcast. Uh, they're coming on the show. They talk politics. They're uh, both solid Christian men, uh, but they're good thinkers, really, really good thinkers. They can actually think in categories. They don't just do the Jesus juke and, you know, we'll just preach the gospel. They're actually okay with the state um, doing what God ordains in Scripture, Romans 13, and actually using the sword and, and exercising power. Uh, Christians having power is not inherently wicked or wrong. Uh, Christians are called uh, to exercise power as much as God and his providence would allow for in responsible, righteous ways for uh, the good of their neighbors, out of love for neighbor. We, if our neighbor is being uh, overrun by an invasion of military-aged men at the border, we want to exercise righteous laws and use power in Christian ways uh, to love and protect our neighbors. So uh, those are the kinds of things that we're talking about. Predominantly, we're going to be talking about Donald Trump, the phenomenon of Donald Trump, and some of our predictions of what we think... Um, maybe on the horizon this election year in 2024. So uh, let's go ahead and get ready and start the show. Applying God's word to every aspect of life. This is Theology Applied. All right, welcome back to another episode of Theology Applied. I'm your host, Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the very real possibility that former President Donald J. Trump could be assassinated. Now, that's not all we're going to talk about. And I mean that in the literal sense. I don't mean metaphorically that politically he might. I, I, I really think that the regime hates him so much and is so desperate um, that the only way, I, I don't know if some of the court charges are going to work. There's multiple different um, strategies, threats to try to neutralize uh, the political opponent to our current regime, uh, you know, get him in jail. But I, I don't know if it'll work. Rig an election and, you know, vote, voter booths and all that. There's a lot of different things, but it may be that the only way to keep him out of office is um, to put a bullet in his chest. Um, I, I, and so we're not saying that's going to happen. I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but that's what we're going to be talking about. It's election year. Uh, the people of God need to have discernment. We, we can't be naive. We can't be foolish. Uh, we need to know, all right, 2020, it wasn't random. It was an election year. That's a big part of the COVID thing. That's a big part of BLM and riots and the summer of love, all these things. What's going to happen in 2024? We don't know, um, but likely it will be as severe, as bad as 2020, if not worse. So that's the topic of the discussion. And for this topic, I wanted to get guys who I think are some of the better thinkers within the reformed world um, of Christianity uh, today. And so to help me with this, because they'll have uh, ideas that I don't have and better ideas that I don't have. So I'm welcoming to the show CJ Engel and uh, Andrew Isker, who are the co-host of Contra Mundum, uh, their podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank, Thank you, Joel. Thanks, for having, thanks for having us. All right, tell our listeners about yourself. Uh, tell them about the show. Tell them about you. And um, yeah, give your credentials, whatever you want to do. Sure. Yeah. So I, um, Andrew and I have been doing this for a year or two, but we, we, we've been talking politics for 10 plus years, probably. Mm -hmm. um, we got our origins in a, um, you know, clutch your pearls, the libertarian world. And um, <laughs> not quickly, but eventually 
<clears throat> realized that there were uh, myriad problems with that, and we began to see the world in a more realistic way, and we um, have gone rightward ever since. Uh, but we, yeah, we've grown together um, for, through numerous events, and it's been a, a fun journey, but basically we have a podcast, and um, I spend a lot of my time doing all the, the reading and writing and, and commenting and things like that, just having a good time and fighting the good fight. It's it's funny because, you know, years ago, I, you know, you just you think it's just a, a goofy thing to spend time reading and writing and sharing your thoughts. But it actually does change conversation and affects paradigms and shifts Silverton windows. And it's it's really fun to see the effect and say, you know, I've I've been I've been part of that. But yeah. uh, having conversations does matter. Minds can be changed. And, you know, people, I'm always surprised to see how quickly things are changing. And, uh, you know, that reinvigorates me and, and motivates me to keep the momentum. Yep. Amen. Andrew. Yeah, I, um, I, I could just echo what, what CJ said there that we've, yeah, we've been, <laughs> we've been following this stuff for, yeah, at least 10 years. And we've known each other, I think, since like 2014. Uh, and yeah, we were, we were in the libertarian Ron Paul kind of world. And over time, we independently of each other both were like, wait, this, you know, this world that we used to have doesn't really exist anymore. And we, we still certainly love, you know, liberty and freedom and, and, you know, the free market, things like that. But it's like, no, our whole, our whole society has been destroyed and there is, there is no, nothing we can do except for fight back and restore order um, that, that is, that is the, the biggest thing that that's needed is just a, a restoration of, of sanity and, and normal political order. And, um, you're not going to be able to affect that by like appealing to the non-aggression principle, <laughs> things like that. So right. yeah, we just kind of moved more rightward. I, I read, I, I started reading, you know, like Russell Kirk and, um, and, and men like that, I, I was reading Paul Gottfried, uh, who's, you know, friends with, with CJ and thinking, oh, these guys like get it. Like they get what, what was going on and what, what we have to do and how, how a society functions and works. Um, and, and where the, the political element of that, um, is important, which, you know, in the libertarian world was very neglected. And so, yeah, we, we, um, and we both kind of came at, at it from different directions, but we certainly at the time probably had very different theological um, perspectives. Uh, we're not, you know, different within the reformed world at least. Um, and over time, we both kind of came to the same position where it's like, no, there, there is, um, there's an order that God has has built into the universe. He's he's written it into into the into the world into his creation, and it, it perfectly conforms with what he says in his word. Too. So it's like, you know, I was, I was much more theonomic and CJ was much more natural law. And we both were like, we don't really have to be in conflict <laughs> at all with these things. Um, that, that there's a way that, that both these perspectives, you know, more or less, uh, fit together. And, and we viewed, you know, politics from, from the same frame, uh, that, that, that politics is something that, you know, certainly in the last hundred years in the evangelical world is something that's been just, completely ignored um that there is no you know christian understanding of of the political and and so for me like i i looked at that i thought like, this is something that we have to recover and restore there's so much like we've we've i don't know if we mentioned stephen wolf yet but like he's done a ton of work just recovering uh what what reformed thinkers hundreds of years ago thought about politics and it's like wow this stuff is great this has been here the whole time i can't believe it uh that you know people you know 
wise uh, theologians and pastors and, and, and writers and thinkers had a lot of good stuff to say about things that are relevant to us today. And we've just totally neglected all of that completely to, right. to have this sort of pietistic, almost Anabaptistic view of politics where it's like, oh, I'm only going to preach the gospel and everything else right, doesn't matter because I'm preaching the gospel. And it's like, that's not how reformed people talked about their world at all right. 100, mm -hmm. 200, 300 years ago. And so we've kind of dived headfirst or dove headfirst uh, into that. And um, it has been, it has been great. Like we've, like, like CJ said, you know, I, I, you thought like, I'm just posting online and, and maybe I'm just shouting out into the void. Like this is, is this just a hobby or just a, a fun thing to do? But like you actually see that this, <clears throat> this moves the needle for people that it, it I mean, helps look at people, people think, you know, I yeah. mean, look at people like in Oklahoma with Dusty Devers. I mean, yeah. he, he, he's heavily influenced by our circles, uh, maybe even came out of them. Yeah. Um, so he these did. things have real world implications. And yeah. I think that right there in 10 years was like a huge white pill for me. Yeah. Like just seeing that, like he reads our stuff. He echoes the themes that we echo. He's got priorities that reflect our own. And he's now writing bills to outlaw pornography in o Oklahoma. It's like these, we can do this. This is yeah. happening. It's possible. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, we, part of the problem is evangelicals and people in general, not just picking on Christians, but in today's world, our culture, we can't, we just can't think in categories. We can't speak in categories. And so, you know, for a lot of Christians, it's just, you know, preach the gospel, the gospel alone, you know, like, uh, you know, Trump is not the savior of the world. He's not, yeah. you know, you're not going to have a political savior. Jesus is the savior. And it's like, you're, you're, we're talking past each other. Of course, Jesus yeah. is the savior, like, yeah. which I resent those kind of remarks. Cause really that's, I mean, that's, a that's actually levy, levying a, a very serious accusation and charge. It's, it's just straight yeah. up calling you um, a heretic. Like, cause yeah. what they're asserting is that, that you worship Donald Trump or you literally, but it's like, you know, I don't believe that, you know, I'm not yeah. praying to Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I haven't asked Donald Trump into my heart and to, to <laughs> forgive me of my sins. Like, like, you know that, but you're still doing this. So it's not even ignorance at that point. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's devious and sinister. It's, it's levying a false charge against a fellow brother, you know, a sister in Christ. And, and so, but we, the problem is part of it is, you know, like I said, some of these guys are sinister, but, but for others who maybe are the less sinister breed, um, it's just, just astounding ignorance and, and stupidity, but, but we need to, we need to work on ourselves. We need to grow. Yeah. We need to be discipled. We need to learn. We need to realize, okay, you know what? The civil magistrate bearing the sword, you can legislate morality. That's all legislation is. Yeah. And, and absolutely, yeah. um, that makes a difference because we're, we're not just talking about uh, eternal salvation. That, that's first and foremost. That's the highest. Uh, but, but we're also talking about, I'd love for my, my kids not to, uh, to be in physical danger. I would like for them to be able to live a long life on the earth and, and, and be protected from degenerates and criminals and murderers. And, that's, and, and the, the state does that. The state yeah. with the sword says, um, I'm sorry, you, um, you cannot do this wicked thing. Um, and if you do this wicked thing, we're not going to preach the gospel to you. We're, we're not going to ask you politely to stop. Uh, we're going to hang you. Like I, I recently had a, a show where um, I said, you know, I was talking about like, I was, well, you know, I was talking about at the time, it wasn't that recent, I guess it was a while back, but I was talking about uh, Katanji um, uh, Brown Jackson and just saying that, you know, I, I don't believe that women should serve in, in these positions of leadership. Um, 
and, and in part because I, I don't believe that they're uh, designed for it. I, I believe it's it's unbiblical, but but God's not arbitrary with His rules and what the Bible teaches. Um, I think it's they're not suited for it. Uh, and so I said, like you know, women are, are um, uh, uniquely designed uh, by God to nurture, uh, but criminals don't need nurturing; they need hanging. And that's what men do well. Men, men hang well. And so, you know, and that was like my, you know, my big, you know, quote, zinger. And so, you know, but my point is that like now I'm thinking about that now and I'm thinking about sadly, you know, like, I mean, she seems like a wonderful woman in many regards, but now I'm thinking about, you know, um, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking, and here's the deal. I was adopted, right? So I'm just going to say this. Eric Kahn's, you know, infamous tweet about uh, adoption that got so much negative feedback. Um, I, you know, I, I was adopted. I'm pro-adoption. I think that's great. But one of the things right now, I think with evangelicals is we can't speak in categories. Also, um, evangelicals have been discipled to despise nature, right? So they only care about the yes. spiritual. They hate, because that's a common denominator, whether it's adoption or whether it's um, uh, tweets about why you should dress up on Sunday or why working out matters or why uh, a man should have a gun to protect. All those are natural things. And, and nature, anything natural is viewed as vanity. It's viewed as right. sinful. It's mm -hmm. viewed as, at best, it's viewed as um, a distraction and and without value. At worst, some of the more devious players within evangelicalism will, will actually say that it, you're, you're doing something destructive and it's bad and it's, it's, it's heretical. Idolatry. It's idolatry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, idolatry. And so my point is, is that um, with, with the adoption thing, what Eric Kahn was getting at, he wasn't dogging adoption. Um, people reading in the, in the least charitable light, but what he was trying to yeah. say is that nature matters. Nature mm -hmm. Matters. Once you're adopted, then then that is your child. That is your child. And you have moral obligations as a parent to provide, to love, all those kinds of things. But he was talking about the decision to adopt before before they've become your child, and saying um, you, you shouldn't adopt another child to become your child. They're not your child yet. If it's going to um, put you in a precarious situation where you're compromised in your moral obligation to your natural children, if you already have children. Uh, and there's there's case study after case study of adopting through the foster care system, which is a wonderful thing to do with wisdom, with prudence, but, but adopting an older child that's going to come in and you have you know, a two-year-old and this older child is, is, is 13 and has been through the fight. Like that may not be the wisest thing to do. It was a perfectly reasonable tweet, but he gets destroyed. All that back to the Amy Coney Barrett. My point is, is it a coincidence that um, not a man, but a woman on the Supreme Court. It was all five women who over, you know, who who overruled te well, Texas. Four women and John Roberts, but yeah. Well, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. Four, yeah I, think, four, five, well, I think Joel Joel was setting Joel, up for that. Joel's yeah, right. Five, yeah. Five, <laughs> women, women of both sexes, uh, but yeah, but but it's four women and and one one dude that we can count on um, to to vote the wrong way. But um, but it's it's so it's these five individuals overruling Texas' right to stop an invasion of military yeah. fighting age men at our border by the millions. Uh, that endanger our prodigy, our native citizens, our natural people, um, for the foreigner. So that the foreigner, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let the foreigner in as a. Is it a coincidence that the woman that if for most of, uh, cases is is more conservative by comparison on the court of of nine individuals, but on this particular issue that deals with loving the stranger at the cost of your your natural kinsmen. And your, your your native citizens, and here's the woman who's not just a woman, but also has several children, and many of you know more than one of them adopted. Is it? And I'm just I thought as I was watching that, I thought about that and how it related mm -hmm. to the Eric Kahn tweet, and I thought, gosh, I wish, I wish evangelicals could not be clutch their pearls and could speak in categories and not mm -hmm. be such pietist and think about the ramifications of nature and could have read Eric Kahn's tweet and saw. 
he's got a point. And here it is just, just a few weeks later. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Just a few no. or maybe a couple months later, here's, here's a, a real world situation with massive implications that is exactly what Eric Kahn, I mean, it's almost yeah. like he's a prophet, like what he was talking about. What, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's um, so so Andrew said in the beginning that he was more the theonomic and I was more natural law. Um, that's not quite true. I've actually come to respect nature uh, in, in a much more robust way mm -hmm. over the last, you know, three years. I never would have considered myself. Um, I, I, so, you know, there's just the, the classic, you know, Thomist scholastic you know frame uh, you know framework about you know th that grace restores and upholds nature it doesn't repudiate it um yeah. i think that that framework i think is uh, at the root of so many of our conversations that people think mm -hmm. the the function of christianity is basically to undermine and tear down nature which is evil and disgusting and bad and we should we should um be sus uh, suspicious and cynical of anything relating to to nature and natural things Whereas the classical view, the traditional view, um, the view that the Bible echoes or um, presumes in its own in mm -hmm. its own framework, is that it's a it's, it's a it's God's nature. He created the order. He's the one that created the world, and nature reflects His own character. And what grace does is it allows us to um, reorient ourselves to pursue it and to build it up and to glorify God with it uh, in a way that we couldn't before grace. So mm -hmm. grace um, not only restores nature, but it um, it reinvigorates us. And so the, the, the natural part of our humanity in our world is something that we should uphold and we should study and we should praise. I mean, you know, the Eric Kahn's tweet, uh, you see it reflected in the Supreme Court. You also see it reflected in our the overall atmosphere of our political um, culture. It's very feminine uh, and that has consequences. Um, I often t talk to Andrew about, you know, the, the character of our totalitarianism. When you look at like Soviet Russia and China, those were very masculine totalitarianisms. Like you had a gun to your head and you had to submit, you know, you, there were, there were physical consequences. There were beatings, you know, th those were all the aspects of, um, you know, communistic totalitarianism. Our totalitarianism is very much a feminine totalitarianism. Um, you know, you have to think in terms of psychological categories. You have to think in terms of emotional victims. You have to think in terms of, you know, uh, of love, like everything's framed in love and hate and all of these things. It's a very feminine thing. If you, if you hurt the wrong people, you can get fired. That never would have happened in communist Russia. I mean, they were, they were, um, they, they had outlawed homosexuality there. They still do. The communist party is the one that's actually right now, the communist party is the one that's seeking to outlaw homosexuality in Russia. Why? Mm. Because ours is a feminine totalitarianism and it seeks to undermine nature. And that's one of the consequences of distorting nature is the political ramifications are distorted. They're grotesque. They're disturbing. And a lot of that is because we don't treat nature with a very um, pious, pious in the good sense, a very pious right. uh, mentality. You know, we have no reverence for nature at all. We seek to destroy it. And, um, you know, our society reflects that, that um, endeavor. Yep, well said. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think CJ is, is right that, um, yeah, and I'm sorry for <laughs> saying, oh yeah, you were the natural law guy. You, you, we, you, you got on it more earlier than I did. That's, that's what I mean. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that is that's very true. That that a lot of people they they um, I don't want to use the G word, but I, I think I gotta uh, the it's it's almost this Gnostic view that matter is bad, 
that the world is bad, that that anything material and physical is is axiomatically bad in uh, contrast to the spiritual, right? That's a, a huge undercurrent uh, within American evangelicalism, and hundred percent, and and it and it perfectly fits with this kind of effeminate totalitarianism that CJ is describing, because right, that's precisely what they're trying to do. They're trying to destroy nature. They're trying to destroy the the order of the world that God has created, and and. Um, you know, the, the communists in the 20th century, they were trying to do that too, but it was from like the top down, right? It was from, um, it was from like macroeconomics down that they were trying to reorder nature. Whereas, um, our totalitarianism, it's, it's from like the bottom up, you know, it's like the fundamental, you know, basis of a society that God has created is that men are men and women are women and, and, a man takes a wife and they have children and that's how society continue or, or human civilization continues on. But it's, it's disordering that at the very root. Right. And, and so uh, rather than, you know, taking, taking a human civilization from the top saying, all right, we're, here's how we're going to order the economy and, and, and use brute force to accomplish that. It's, we're going to subvert what it means to be a man or a woman from, from the very get go, from the very bottom. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the evangelical, like very pietistic anti-material world of, you know, uh, viewpoint, uh, perfectly meshes with that. Um, it, and, and so it pre presents like no conflict to it whatsoever. So when you have, um, a, a reinvigorated Christianity that is very, uh, you know, that has a respect or even, you know, a, a, um, you know, CJ says like it, it views nature piously, right? It, it views it that, that God has created this world and it's good. Um, it's marred by sin, but grace, you know, takes away that sin and restores nature to, to how, how it, how he wants it to be. Um, that that presents a direct challenge to all of this. And so you see like, yeah, we mentioned like Dusty, right? There was a, a story, you know, as of when we're recording this, you know, uh, recently there was this story in the New York Post about him and, and they're all freaking out about, you know, one little state senator in Oklahoma, right? Like one of the small state that is flyover country, they don't care about it all. It's like, well, how dare this guy try to roll back degeneracy in our, in our, in our glorious country. And right. right, they're they're threatened by this stuff because that's this is just basic basic Christianity that he and basic Christian moral order that that he is working to restore, and they they but he's working to restore with it. power by exercising yeah. power. He's not just yeah. Dusty, and Dusty's a pastor, so he is yeah. preaching the gospel, and he's preaching the gospel to unbelievers in his personal life and evangelism and all those mm -hmm. kinds of things, and unbelievers who might show up on a Sunday morning. Uh, but but he's not only doing that; he's saying, "I'm going to do yeah. that," but then I'm also going to run for office. He's now a state senator; he won mm -hmm. in his district, and immediately, it's only been a few weeks, he's already um, submitted nine different bills to abolish yeah. income tax, to abolish abortion, to abolish pornography. That's the one that the New York Post is mm -hmm. freaking out about. Like, how in the world? Uh, could such far right extremist Christians think that uh, that that you could actually have a law, a, a legitimate law that says um, uh, watching uh, pornography is is bad and you're not allowed to do it? And it's yeah. like we're so far gone at this point as a culture that you know that that basic. I mean, those, that's just a basic Christian thought yeah. um, that that just seems. Um, that, you know, and even the sad thing is even Christians, those that were, at least they would profess to be Christians. They would say, yeah, pornography is bad, but you can't, 
you can't uh, use laws to, to make it illegal. Yes, you can. <laughs> All right, everybody's been asking, can I live stream your conference? And the answer is a resounding no. You will be there in person or you will not be there at all. I'm just kidding. You actually can live stream the conference. We're excited to announce we're making it available to anybody and everybody who wants to watch this conference right as it's happening, which is March 1st and 2nd. That's a Friday and Saturday of 2024. What conference am I even talking about? It's called Blueprints for Christendom 2.0. We've got Pastor Douglas Wilson. We've got Dr. Joe Boot. We've got Brian Sauvey. We've got Eric Kahn. And then, of course, yours truly, Joel Webbin. We've got seven primary sessions in the conference, each one being probably 50 to 60 minute long uh, sessions, lectures, sermons, whatever you want to call them, and then two live panels, each being an hour and a half long. Now, one of the panels is on biblical patriarchy. We're going to have uh, Pastor Douglas Wilson available for that panel, and we decided to get Eric Kahn, because Eric Kahn, biblical patriarchy, let's just be honest, it's a sensitive topic, but Eric Kahn, I think, is known as one of the most nuanced, careful, and sensitive individuals, especially on the Twitter streets. So we're going to have him as a part of that panel. It'll go really well. Then the second panel is Haunted Cosmos live show. You've got Brian Sauvey and Ben Garrett talking about the most unhinged things imaginable, hopefully some things that are actually true Truthful. Now, th th there will be some truthful things. They're going to stick to scripture, and when they speculate, and you know they will, they'll at least let you know that it's speculation, and they won't pass it off as though it's in the infallible word of God. So, live stream this conference. How do you do it? Go to patreon.com forward slash right response ministries. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash right response ministries. A lot of guys charge 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 80 bucks. We are asking that you would simply partner with us for $10 a month. And let's be real, you could do it one month, live stream all the content, and then cancel your subscription. And if you do, no harm, no foul. If you want to stick with us and support this ministry, what God's doing through Right Response, then praise God. That's great, and we thank you. Either way, technically, it's only 10 bucks. It's really, <laughs> yes, it's really, it's really important to emphasize that, like, you know, this is considered an extreme right position to want to ban pornography. But when you look at 1500, you know, 1800 years, whatever of Christendom, it's only the last like maybe like 40 years where this was considered like a legitimate human right. Right. Like yeah. they're the extremists. We're yeah. that, it's such a mainstream centrist position to consider pornography um, as um, a criminal activity. Um, it's so it's, it's, it's the mainstream centrist position. We're the moderates here for, you know, yeah. for our position. Uh, so yeah. don't, don't get, um, gaslit into thinking that you're an extremist on this or you're you are part yeah. of like the yeah. overall current of a thousand years of legal tradition. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. So we got to do this. I, I know that we, there's, there's more that we could say, but I do want to get into, you know, the way that I framed it in the beginning in the yeah, introduction, yeah. I want to get into some predictions you know we and we did this you know what got us into this was doing introductions and you know who are you guys and what are you interested in what do you do and you know that got us into politics you know in a christian view and biblical view of politics because that's what you do and i think that's really great and we can come back to some of that but um but i also want to do you know um I want to do, you know, some predictions, right? And we're not, and we're not saying we're not, these are not prophecies, right? We're not doing the, you know, this will happen, right? Like James Lindsay kind of thing. Like if, you know, uh, if, you know, in, in the month of June, um, I like not, I predict, but it will yeah. happen that there'll be an extremist reaction to a gay pride thing and blah, blah, blah. And it and it's going to destroy, you know, the right. And, uh, so we're not doing that. Uh, what we're doing instead of saying this will happen, we're saying, um, something, 
will probably happen in an election year to try to get Donald J. Trump to not be elected. And one, I think one real possibility is assassination. And not even from someone who's an American citizen, not even necessarily a three-letter agency that's been hijacked, you know, whatever, the FBI, uh, but even other countries. I mean, every the whole world has a vested interest um, in, in what happens in America and who our president is. And if you have a certain president who has a proven track record of not being soft when it comes to wars in the Middle East and when it, you know, who's far more willing to put tariffs, you know, with economics with other countries to uh, shut down wars. Who I mean, who straight up used to tweet at 3 a.m. at night, like, you know, uh, I'll bomb Kim Jong-un, you know, like, uh, they, you know, like, the, the, so my point is, it's not just Americans that, you know, never Trump, I hate Trump, you know, uh, the screaming, you know, libtard with purple hair, you know, um, but, but it's, it's people, you know, uh, regimes in China, it's, it's, um, it's it's Ukraine. It's you know. I mean, all over the world, there is an incentive for many, 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 many people worldwide to not have that guy in office. Uh, to the point of, and, and we know what the world's capable of doing. I mean, China yeah. already literally released a virus on the entire world to stop um, an election. I, I really do yeah. think that that was a big uh, part of part of the incentive and motive. And I do not think it was an accident. And so um, all that being said, if if they did it, uh, you know, back in 2020, I think we're naive, right? We, we don't want to be doomsday, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, we trust in, in Christ. We love Christ. We're going to be obedient. We're going to keep calm and cool heads. Uh, but we're also not going to be naive, stupid, you know, people who, who think that we live in la-la land. There, there are wicked wicked people in the world, in our government and in other governments in the world. And, uh, and so Christians, uh, should just be aware. Otherwise, like, what did we learn in 2020? It's election time. It's going to be a crazy year. Here are some things that could happen and here's how Christians should be thinking. And here's how we should prepare that. That's what I'd like, love to do with the second half of the episode. What do you, what do you guys, what do you guys think of of predictions and possibilities? How should Christians be thinking? About, yeah, you go ahead, CJ, and make your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <clears throat> well, um, first of all, I think um, Trump is the most popular. I think Trump, like, if if we lived in, you know, the the world that people say we live in about democracy and, and the right of the people to select their own political leaders, all that stuff, Trump would win hands down. Like, case closed. Yeah. He would have won in 2016, um, and he would just smash it um, in, in this cycle as well. Uh, that said... We don't live in that world. Obviously, I mean, they brag about this in the Washington Post that they need to do what they can to prevent him from becoming the president. They will do what they can. And they are, um, they are, they're experts. They're professionals in selecting political candidates who are not popular. This is what they do in Ukraine. This is what they do in Europe. And this is what they do here. They are, um, color revolutionaries. They, they know how to use media. They know how to use um, lawfare. They know how to use um, incentives, economic incentives, personal threats. They will do what they can to prevent uh, you know, Trump from winning. So I think that's, so how successful are they going to be? Uh, you know, what, to what end would they do this stuff? I mean, I think they'll start with a layer of indictments, you know, see how that goes. I think that will make Trump even more popular. I think people people are sort of in the mood that they actually want to see him get indicted and they want to see him they want to see him get elected, you know, from prison <laughs> basically in part of him. So I mean seriously, but but you know, evangelicals jump in on this and say, "Yeah, you cuz you like criminals and you're just, you know, you're not you're not very Christian in the way you approach things, but they never ask themselves, how is it that heritage America, that people who can find four, five, six generations of roots here in America, how is it 
that these forgotten Americans would despise the system so much that they want to see a political candidate in that situation challenge the regime in such a humiliating way. Nobody asks what they're feeling, what they're going through. Yeah. They don't care. So yeah. the you know the question is how, to to what extent do the political elites hate everyday Americans and I think that they would do anything to get Trump elected. I don't think the indictments will work as I just said, so they have to go to the next layer. The next layer includes things like you know all the the legal rules that they changed in the run up to 2020. Um and so that's the next layer of things um and then they could they could go forward they could steal the election. They've already proven that they could do it. You know, and I, I want to be careful with your with your channel, but they're you know they're very skilled in getting what they want, you know, um the, their preferred candidate. So I, I don't think that it's something that we should take lightly. I think that they have experience. They also have all the, the mechanisms and um, infrastructure set up to do this again. Mm. Um, so, and then of course, worst case scenario, would they go to the extent of ending his life? I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, they do this all the time. Um, they, they hate, he's, he's just a proxy, um, for the people they actually hate in the United States. And just like, yeah. he's just a proxy, um, for our own political interests. It's not like, you know, we, we looked at all the candidates and we're like, we're going to choose this liberal cosmopolitan real estate developer in New York. No, right. he's a proxy <laughs> that expresses our discontent. You know, exactly. that's what he is. Which so, is, that is a phenomenon in itself. I was talking to, you know, one of my friends recently and just saying, how is it that uh, a Hollywood, a guy forged in the belly of Hollywood, a, a billionaire, um, how is it that, that uh, everyday Americans, not the elite, but blue collar, you know, working Americans and flyover country say, that's our, our guy. I identify with him. It's not yeah. because of his, his economic status. Certainly he has nothing in common with a guy who makes, you know, $45,000, um, annually, you know, when he, he's, you know, <laughs> worth, you know, a, a lot of money. And so it's not that, and it's not even his character. Like I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to say, like, I, I don't think I would have Donald Trump babysit my kids, you know, but <laughs> Um, you know, I, obviously I think DeSantis is the better, the better man in terms of character, in terms of, you know, lots of other <coughs> things. So then what's the, I, I, uh, the piece of identification, like the mugshot, you know, which is, I mean, that's a historic iconic picture that like kids will be read, you know, see that in textbooks, you know, when they arrested Donald Trump and actually took his picture, which was a bad move. If, if you look at like yeah. the polls and the primaries, when, when was it that, that Trump, right? Because there was a moment where it was like an 11, 10, 11 point, you know, difference between Trump and DeSantis. And then Trump just <laughs> launched into the strategy. Yeah sphere and DeSantis started going down. This is this is my point. It was when um, they started doing more indictments, um, when they started when they started attacking him more. That's the identification piece. Uh, the 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 American that identifies with Trump, it's not because um, because uh, of his, you know, he's a billionaire and most people are poor. Uh, they identify with him because um, because he keeps getting picked on. He keeps mm -hmm. getting uh, pushed. He keeps getting pressed. He keeps getting mm -hmm. uh, lied about. He keeps uh, getting charges on, like the legal system coming after him for just just for existing, you know. And yep. that's where people yeah. say he's like me. He's like he's me. He's like me. That's why, yeah, and, and you're right, CJ, instead what evangelical, you know, pastors sadly do is uh, they see evangelicals turn out in droves in 2016 for Trump and then in the primaries again uh, now showing up for Trump instead of DeSantis in Iowa, you know, and it wasn't mm -hmm. even close. And, mm -hmm. and then immediately our evangelical leaders, what they do is they chastise the, the Christians um, for how, how could you turn out for Trump and not turn out for uh, DeSantis, who is the better man with better character? And I'm not even debating those things. I think that's true. Yes, um, yeah. But instead of asking the question, why? 
did you turn out for this guy? Why? why um, it, so immediately it's, it's, um, it's a chastisement. It's a rebuke. Yeah. Um, and, and they think because they, they assume the only reason why Christians could vote for Trump is because uh, evangelicals today are godless, because evangelicals today uh, don't have exactly. morals, because e- yeah. evangelicals today are also corrupted and compromised and morally, spiritually, and because mm. they only think in moral, spiritual categories. They can't think outside of that and think of power, systems, the regime, and thinking, hey, maybe they want Trump in office not because he's a great guy that they want to make the godfather of their next kid. Maybe they want Trump in office because um, because if there was a literal wrecking ball on the on the ballot, they would vote for that. Um, right, exactly. In, in, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, so, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah. So that that's my predictions is, is they, yeah. they, they wish they, if they could get away with it, they would go all the way. So that's my yeah. prediction. Would you like to get control of your money and set up a system that will guarantee for the rest of your life, tax protected compounding interest and growth? How about having 24 seven electronic access to your money for funding wisely chosen investments, home improvements, and other large expenditures without going to the mainstream banks? This is not a dream, but it could actually be a reality when we're Working with our sponsor, Private Family Banking. See their contact information in the show notes below. To make this season even brighter, Private Family Banking is giving away a pair of tickets, a $500 value for the upcoming Blueprints for Christendom 2.0 conference, which is taking place on March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 2024 in Taylor, Texas. To enter the ticket giveaway, join their email list by sending an email to banking at privatefamilybanking.com. Again, that's banking at privatefamilybanking.com with the subject line of your email email saying tickets, then include your full name and mailing address in the body of the email. The ticket giveaway entry period will end at midnight central time on February 13th, 2024, and the winner will be notified via email on February 14th. You must be 18 years of age or older to enter, and only one email per person can be entered into this giveaway drawing. Yeah, I, okay. mine... You know, similar to that. I, I think that, right, they, they showed what they can do in 2020. I mean, there was the Time Magazine story right after the election about, I mean, just bragging about, uh, you know, all the money that Mark Zuckerberg put into it and all of the election law changes and how they fortified the election, right, to prevent Donald Trump from, from getting reelected. And so that they, they bragged about it, right? Uh, you know, and it was at the time where you couldn't, you couldn't say the things they said in Time Magazine on Twitter or Facebook. Like your your posts would get taken down if you verbatim said the same things they said in that Time Magazine story, but they can say it, right? Um, so they've proven that they can do these things. And they've proven, you know, overseas the kind of stuff that they've they've done. And and yeah, 2020 was this color revolution where you have you know you have the uh, pandemic. Uh, which is mysterious in its origins, to say the least. And then uh, you have, you know, radical left-wing uh, agitators provoke riots throughout the country for months. And I mean, this is the same. This is it's literally what they did in Ukraine in 2014. Uh, and so, other than you know the, the pandemic, and so this they, they've they're well practiced at this this kind these kinds of operations and. The lawfare thing is, and, and the indictments. Um, I mean, I think like the the DC case um, is one where, 
right? He's not going to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. He's not going to be before a jury that is going to look at it impartially or anything. It's like the D.C. case is going to be like the Chauvin case in Minneapolis, where it's mm-hmm. like he's probably going to lose it no matter what his lawyers argue, what, no matter what evidence there is, he, it's already written. Like there's, there's, he's going to be found guilty. Um, and so the question there is, you know, the timing, does it happen before the election or will it continue, you know, after he's elected president that, that, that might obscure things a little bit, but, um, They've they've attempted these things, and I think they attempted the indictments, thinking that once he's indicted, that'll make people think that'll make him drop in the polls, and then someone else, DeSantis or Nikki Haley or or whoever else was running at the time, will take over. I think that was the the play that they were trying to run, and because they fundamentally don't understand the phenomenon of Trump that you guys were just talking about is is like people want him because they hate. They hate the regime. They hate the system. They hate right. the people that r- are running things that hate them. And, right. and so he's this avatar for them or this proxy for them. And that's why his popularity was boosted where people are like, no, nah, that isn't right. I mean, the same thing with like the Russia stuff during, um, during his, his uh, administration, right? People looked at that and they're like, this is, this is silly. Like he didn't do anything wrong and they're impeaching him over this. That's, right. that's nuts. Um, and so, and so every guy who got fired from his job in 2020 and 2021, yeah. um, because, uh, he was, he had a racist tweet that his boss found, you know, yeah. racist spelled, yeah. you know, R A Y, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so every, so what, what it, immediately they, they identified and felt like that's, that's me. So when yeah. they see them come at, you know, with the steel dossier or with the Russian yeah. collusion or with, you know, what, whatever it is, all these different things. They, um, that's the, that's the, uh, connecting piece. The connecting yeah. piece is not, oh, I, you know, I grew up, uh, doing, uh, uh, shows in Hollywood. Uh, no, yeah, no, we both no. have that in common. No, of course <laughs> not. Like, oh, I also have hundreds of, of millions of dollars and we have, you know, no, of course we, that, that's not the, the connecting piece. The connecting piece is, um, every day people say that the system is rigged against minorities when the facts are right in front of my face, it's rigged against me. <laughs> And has yeah. been for decades. Yeah, and I know it, and I feel it. My kids mm-hmm. feel it. My wife feels it, and this is the first guy who agrees with me, who yeah. who's, who says it. And, you know, and and that same system is attacking him. And every time, but the difference is, it attacks me, and I can't do anything. It attacks him, and it's like launching a nuke at Godzilla. He just gets bigger and stronger, and, and then all powerful, of a sudden, yeah. it's like, yeah, you don't want to be friends with Godzilla. You don't want to have Godzilla over for dinner, but all of a sudden, you find yourself you know, in Tokyo, and and when all, at first, you think Godzilla's the problem, but then when Moth, you know, uh, Mothra and all these other, like a thousand other monsters come out of hollow earth, you know, and, and they start destroying the city, and Godzilla all of a sudden turns and starts wrecking shop on them, then you find yourself in the street saying, Godzilla, Godzilla. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's just like, that's the natural reaction. And I yeah. don't think that means that you're not a Christian or you don't care about morals. Yeah. Or you don't care about character. Think pastors, evangelists, stop for a moment and think, yeah. you know, and show a little bit of all that sympathy that you, you showed when you were woke 15 minutes ago. Yes, we remember yeah. you were woke. You're writing books against it now, but you were woke. <laughs> all the sympathy that you had uh, towards every single person in the church on the left, not that long ago, like last Wednesday. Um, could you show a fraction of that? A fraction of that um, to, to the people who pay your salary, to the people who yeah. have been faithful year after year, tithing, going to the, like, 
It's well, such an insult. You well, know, that, and that's the thing too. Like they, they talk about, um, you know, we can, we can bring up like Joe Rigney and empathy and, and things like that. Like they, <laughs> they're all about empathy, 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 right? Empathizing with, with the, the outcast and the stranger and the people, you know, which just is code for the left, right? Uh, right. They're totally empathetic to the left, but normal average Americans who have jobs and families and mortgages and are, are trying to get by and see someone who they think might make my life better, might make my country better. And because that's his vision. And then this is why he connects with people is, is because he presents this positive, this positive vision of, of what he wants the country to be, what we want the country to be. We want the country to be great again, uh, to say right. that it's not. And it, and it could be once more like that's, that's a powerful thing that connects with a lot of people. And they can't empathize in the least with that. They can't understand what normal people are going through. They can't understand the fact that that all all of our major cities are completely overrun with crime, and people are very concerned with that. They can't understand that you know tens of millions of of foreign people from third world countries you know rushing your borders you know might actually be a bad thing for ordinary people, right? They can't they can't even conceptualize uh, that state of mind that regular people have. And so you have people like Beth Moore who will say, Oh, they just want a bully and a nasty person. They've fallen and it's their, you know, all of this moral disorder and evangelicalism, that's what it's a symbol of. And it's like, no, it's, it's not that at all. And they, they don't want to care about the people of our country at all. And it's much easier well, to just chastise them. Well, the other thing too is, you know, they, they go, it goes back to our conversation about nature and grace. I mean, the response yeah. to all this is, you know, you're putting too much stock in your own uh, well-being here on earth. You're putting too much yeah. stock in, you know, you know, the quality of your, of your life, the material value of the things that you possess and the things, you know, your God says not to worry about your food, you know, look at the birds of the air. And so they use this very pious language basically mm -hmm. to undermine our own natural instinct, our God given natural instincts to take care of our families, to build communities, to, um, to build kingdoms on earth. I mean, that's part of our human nature. That's part of the task that was given to Adam yeah. and his posterity is to build natural things. And so we should care about our well-being because it's not just about us. It's about our children. It's about our grandchildren. And the mentality that we are pilgrims on earth is being distorted in such a way as to undermine a thousand years of Christian development, a Christian yeah. society. They so So every time someone talks about things like, well, I can no longer afford to eat um, half the, the, you know, my, my food bill that I used to like four years ago. I can't, I can only afford half of what I was able to buy four years ago. Well, you're just putting too much stock in the natural things of life. God yeah. gave us creation to yeah. nourish us, to build us so that we might be strong and that earthly things might reflect heavenly order. And I think that they completely um, despise and repudiate these classical categories of natural kingdom building. Right. And, and one thing I want to add to that, uh, CJ is, um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely the grace nature distinction. They, they think that grace just, it supersedes nature. It eradicates nature, replaces nature. Um, then now they, you know, the more conservative evangelical types will, you, you know, they'll, they'll kind of, uh, uh, be inconsistent with that with like Galatians three twenty seven. there's neither male nor female, you know, a slave or free, you know, uh, Jew or Greek. And so when it comes to male or female, they'll acknowledge, Oh, well, you know, but I'm not woke, you know, like a man's still a man and a woman's still a woman and we're complementarian and we have only male pastors, you know? Uh, but then they, but then they uh, all of a sudden shift hermeneutics when it comes to uh, Jew or Greek. 
right? So male or female, like that still exists. Uh, do you agree that, you know, there's only one race, the human race. And I understand that we all descended from Adam. We are all human beings. Um, but, but there, there are, uh, different, different races or ethnicity or whatever you want to use. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. It's one of those terms that's like, there's plurality and there's unity in it. All it means is common ancestor. So the unity part of it is that we all have a single common ancestor. The plurality part of it is there's downstream ancestors that we don't share. I mean, it's really not that complicated. It's not, it's not. And to care about the downstream ancestors to say, uh, I care about Adam and Eve, and I care about um, you know my, uh, my my common ancestry, but I also care about Ireland, you know, or whatever. That that's okay. And so, anyways, uh, that that should be permissible. But what I was going to say is, so what I think is three factors with evangelical leaders and and why they don't get the Trump phenomenon and why they're constantly disparaging their their own uh, congregants, parishioners, is one uh, not understanding uh, grace, uh, elevating nature, restoring nature. Instead, they think it just replaces nature. Uh, that natural things don't matter. Uh, natural born children don't matter. And uh, borders uh, to protect uh, natural citizens uh, doesn't matter. Um, uh, uh, working out to have natural uh, good health as a, a good steward, not not idolatrize, not not vanity, but I, hey, I want to live to see my my grandkids. Um, well, that's that's uh, that's not spiritual enough. That's too uh, too physical. That's too vain. Uh, they don't understand any of these things. Uh, thinking I should have a gun in case there's an intruder, especially since we have an invasion of military aged men, and I live in Texas. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, maybe. I I should have a gun or that's, you know, not trusting the Lord and blah, blah. So they, they despise nature. Yeah. The, uh, the, the second thing I would say is uh, a negative view of the past and then, um, and then yeah. a nihilistic view of the future. I think those are the yeah. three. And yeah. so, so what I'm trying to say is, uh, is it a coincidence that right now uh, you got a bunch of young Christian men, uh, what are they reading? Um, a bunch of them have uh, an infatuation all of a sudden with post-millennial hopeful future right? And, and I'm not saying you have to be post-millennial to think that the future could be bright, um, that the foreseeable future for you, your kids, I've learned that. At first I was like, that's, I, I am post-millennial. I'm not moving off of that. That is my eschatology. I think it's right. Um, I think it's right for biblical reasons, but not just functional reasons, because functionally a guy could be uh, pre-millennial and, and I've got a lot of friends who are, or all millennial and still say, yeah, but we could still win this thing. And we have a moral obligation to try. And, uh, and, and we, we still want the world to be a better place. Our country be a better place for our children, our children's children. And so I'm happy to be on, on the team. But the point is, no matter how you slice it, whether it's a, a long vision through post-millennial eschatology or whatever, uh, it's still, it's a positive vision of the future right now. That like, so what's taking off over these past few years, like by storm, what's the big trends, uh, positive view of the future. And a lot of that's like, uh, more than ever before, a bunch of guys hopping on the post-mill train. That's not a coincidence. Look at that. Recognize that. Dissect that pastor, evangelical leader. Think about why would that be? Um, and then the last one, positive view of the future. Um, why is every young Christian man on the planet right now reading defenders of the West sword and scimitar? Uh, like what? It's not a coincidence, right? They, they're all of a sudden there's a theme there. And that theme gives you answers. It's not random. It's, it means something. So what is it? Um, all of a sudden, guys are reading uh, practical books by non-Christians about uh, uh, natural things like health. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, uh, guys are reading books uh, with a positive vision of the past saying, maybe the Crusades weren't the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And maybe Richard the Lionheart was, uh, maybe I'm going to meet him in heaven. He was a good guy. Or, or more recent history, maybe Stonewall Jackson um, w- was a good guy, that Martin Luther King Jr. Um, is actually in hell right now, but Stonewall <laughs> Jackson is in heaven. You know, And maybe I should prepare for that reality. Uh, and then lastly, a positive future, um, may, you know, like the post-millennial infatuation that's been going. You know, th- my point is just to say, these are not coincidences. There right. is a theme. And Trump, so bringing that all the way back to Trump, and then I'll, I'll stop rambling, but... Uh, <laughs> 
in four words, I mean, this really is, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. In four words, make America, so not, not the other side of the world, not foreigners, not strangers, but my native people, this country, make America great. So in the future, we're going to make, we're going to do something that is going to have bear fruit down the road, make it great again. It was, it was good in the past. So he literally, right there, he said, here, my people, great in the future, like it was in the past. And the most popular political character in the last 50 years with four words. I mean, a bunch of other stuff too, but with four words. <laughs> I and I think if, if evangelicals, you know, like Beth Moore would stop chastising the base. I mean, she really, like John MacArthur nailed it. She just needs to go home. But other, other evangelical <laughs> leaders who actually are called to leadership roles in the church, but who are very similar to Beth Moore, other Moores, such as Russell Moore, if they would, if they would just stop for a moment and, and think about that and think, maybe there's something to that. Does the Bible actually allow for this or maybe even give us an impetus that, that this is right, it should be pursued, that, we, uh, that the spiritual and eternal matters uh, most, but that nature and temporal things still have some value and, they, and that we do have uh, a moral obligation to steward these things uh, in, heavenly, uh, in a heavenly uh, direction and that uh, the past of 1,500 years of Christendom, may, maybe it wasn't perfect. We're talking about human beings. They're not sinless, but maybe uh, it, Constantine, maybe Constantine, as, as um, Thomas Watson literally says in his Ten Commandments books, he was a nurturing father. <laughs> He literally lists Constantine by name and says, be like Constantine, who was a nurturing father to the church. Mm. <laughs> like that, you know, um, and so so may, maybe that's not crazy. And then also in, in the future, whether you think it's the next 50 years or 50,000, um, that maybe it, maybe we're not, uh, the Bible doesn't dictate nihilism, premillennial, historic premillennialism, sure, but dispensational premillennialism that asserts and, and, <coughs> and mandates that things must progressively get worse and worse and worse in the future, um, that 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 dog won't hunt. That that's just that that eschatology because that's more than just eschatological. That's a, that's a hermeneutic and a way of reading this. Like that that um, dispensationalism is like watching the last dinosaur slowly walk off into the sunset. Like that, you know that dude, <laughs> he's dead. He's he's, yeah. he's short shelf life. It's it's not coming back. So my point is, could we just look at that? Look at the reasons, and instead of blaming and chastising ask some questions. Maybe maybe we've missed it in the post-war consensus for the last 60 years, and maybe there's something to this. No, I 100% agree with you. I mean, just the fact that there's there's certain, like um, like a demeanor or a, like, like an instinct that, um, you know, Western Christians have, have had in the past, which is to honor those who came before you. Um, I mean, you mentioned Thomas Watson. That's actually relatively recent. Right. Right. So, exactly. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So like just just up until like, um, you know, maybe 60 years ago, people did have this, you know, we are the product of good men, good men that came before us and blazed a trail. Uh, now, today, we're expected to apologize for them, to repudiate them and uh, to, to, to constantly remind ourselves that those who came before are always bad because they're in the past and chronologically we're more advanced. And this is just the way that history history goes. Um, they, they never consider the fact that. I mean, flyover Americans are reading like historical tomes. They're reading biographies of great men. Uh, they're not supposed to do this. The intellectual <laughs> class does not like them to do this. And right. so when they look to a leader like Trump, uh, who's not like in a silo, like he's he's not a good man. Like you would never like 10 years ago, you'd have said like Trump is like an ideal Christian man. He's not a Constantine. <laughs> but that type of man the fact that he's popular reflects the fact that people are learning from the past and they recognize that 
that leaders like him, great men of history, they are the catalysts for making society great again. So they are looking for, you know, and they just, the intellectual class just cannot bear this. It just, it completely wrecks everything that they've built up about themselves and about flyover Americans, about everyday Americans and about the Christianity, um, you know, the Christian dumb that they actually seek to tear down. Right. And, so, and they're, and they're, the other thing they built up is their revisionist history. And so if people are actually reading, you know, men of antiquity, actual history and not their revisionist history, their fake narrative, <laughs> then people are going to wise up. They're going to say, wait, 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 this thing that we want that we've been told we could never have. It, it just can't happen. We just preach the gospel. No, no, it's 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 not just that um, we could have it. It's um, <laughs> Christendom's not not just a dream of something that, that can't come to fruition. Not only uh, is it possible, it's been done before. Oh well, yeah. yeah, on well, this that's, soil. That's the thing. I, I've <laughs> and been, not that yeah. long ago, you know. And I've and, been, yeah, I've been trying to say this about Christian nationalism, like. Uh, you know, you can, it's just a label, right? right. I didn't like it at first, but it's, uh, it's changed the conversation. So that means it was a good label, right. but the, what it means, it's not this creation of this new, never been done utopian framework, this blueprint for like, we have the secret sauce to make a good society. Right. It's actually the historical norm. Like this, yeah. like it, it, it took, it, it was reflected in England. It was reflected in Germany. It was reflected in Christendom more generally. Like mm -hmm. this is our past, you know, this right. is, it's, it's, it's calling for Christians to revitalize those that came before. It's, it's actually the historical norm. It's not this new right. creative thing. The new creative thing is liberal democracy and secularism. That's, That's the new right. creative thing. Yeah. Andrew, go ahead, Andrew, give us your final thoughts and then we'll, we'll land the plane for this episode. But I think this has been super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, just to go back to the, the Trump thing and the whole you know title of the episode, um, I think if I were like, I don't, I don't gamble. I don't bet. Nobody should. But if I were going to put like money on it, um, I'd say it's like 60, 40 that, that they will attempt it because things attempt are what? going, uh, taking them out. Uh, I think okay. they, yeah, I, <laughs> you don't want to say it, but I don't yeah, want yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think they will, um, at least, at least there will be an attempt, a serious attempt on him. Um, and 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 it only because like you look at how how terrible things are. Everyone knows, you know, economically, uh, soci socially, every, everything else is is in a very very bad place. I mean, even people who are maybe predisposed to vote for Democrats like will admit this. And so he is going to continue to be very very popular and, and poll very very well in in many states. Like I think in, in New York right now, he's like in single digits behind Biden, um, which is astounding. That's and crazy. So, yeah. Nine, I think it was like nine, nine 9%. points under Biden in New yeah. York. Yeah. So, I mean, almost, I mean, you're getting, you're getting within striking distance at the margin of error. And, and so like, so if he, if he's looking like he's going to win in a landslide and there's no amount of fortification that they can do to, to prevent him taking office, like that, that is like the biggest thing. They cannot possibly allow him to return at right. all. And so, right. Keep bearing that in mind. Like, um, there's one final thing they can do to prevent him from going in. And so if it, it looks right. like there are no other options, they'll, they'll do it. They can um, suicide him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, well, you know, Jeffrey, whatever. Jeffrey Epstein him. Yeah. 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 In prison, maybe who knows, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's going to happen. And, and if it does, I think Christians, um, and pastors and leaders need to need to think through, uh, why? Why was he popular? Why? Why is the country going to be, in, in, in the majority of the country, going to be incensed that this occurred? 
and what what do you do from here? And even even the question of like, what do you do from here is is relevant, even if they don't do it, because he's like seventy eight or seventy nine years old. Like he's right. He's not going to be around much longer in any event. And so, where where do we go from here uh, once he's off the stage? Right? What are we going to do? Because the the anger at the regime that is is deep in the populace of the country that's not going away, and it's going to look mm-hmm. for someone to take up that mantle once again. And, and yeah. so, Correct. Are we going to be part of it, or are we going to oppose it? Continue to oppose it. Right. Yep. CJ, did you want to say something? All right, oh, that's-, that's great. Uh, let's let's plug you guys again because I want guys to listen. <clears throat> um, to, I, I think your voices are important. What you're writing, what you're uh, saying. Uh, your podcast is Contramundum. It's uh, where, where can they find you? It's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, we stream it on our Twitter, but like YouTube's the best place probably right now for us. But um, yeah, follow me on Twitter at uh, Contramordor. Um, and, uh, I always post the live links, uh, for the, for the podcast there. And that's when you get my, my fun tweets and my, my actual, you know, well thought out, uh, you know, thoughts, not just my rambling. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you have good, you have good stuff there. Yeah. Definitely follow. And then what's your handle? Uh, mine. Yeah. On Twitter. Uh, at Boniface option is my handle. And, uh, and yet, uh, we on, on every Friday we've been trying to be consistent. Now we do a live stream on on Fridays, usually at five o'clock central. Uh, this week might be a little different because I'm in, in Florida. I don't know if every, everybody heard uh, when we when when Joel mentioned uh, DeSantis, uh, he sent uh, a blue heron to attack our stream here, and so <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. But uh, uh, yeah, we're we we might be a little bit late this week, but. Um, in, in the next couple of weeks, but usually Fridays, uh, 5 PM central is, is when we live stream. And it's, it's, I mean, a lot, you know, Joel, like the live streams are fun because you can interact with people. And, and, right. uh, I think some people, they really like what, you know, when I start chuckling at a comment in the middle of the stream, that, that makes them, that makes them happy. But, uh, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's been great, uh, to do. We've, uh, we have seen a lot of people, you know, really like, they, I mean, I, I get emails and messages from people saying like, Hey, I, I didn't know what to think about politics and things like this. And I wasn't like looking for someone to just give like a vaguely Christian spin on whatever you would hear on the daily wire. Right. Actually what we're trying to do is get Christians to think very deeply about politics and think about it in very old ways and, um, and, and think about it beyond just like, who am I going to vote for? And how, how does the, you know, how do elections work? Things like that. But rather think about it in a much, much bigger picture um, yep. than, than really anybody else. Great. So all of our listeners, check out, uh, we'll put it in the description, their YouTube channel. So you can just look in the description, find the uh, link for the YouTube channel. Again, that's Concha Mundum. And then you got at Boniface Option if you want to follow Isker on uh, Twitter. And then uh, Contra Mordor, is that what you said? Contra Mordor. Okay, Contra Mordor. Uh, so follow these guys, listen to them, uh, give them your support. And then also with Isker, you can go to Amazon if you want to buy his book, The Boniface Option, that came out recently. That's fantastic. Uh, a lot of guys have been reading it. I read it. Uh, he did a great job. So check out the book too. Thank so thank you guys for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, thank you, Joel. Joel.